Nutmeg Book Drops is a new podcast brought to you by Librarians Connect. Librarians Connect is a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we'll be discussing three of the 2022 Elementary Nutmeg nominees that you can check out from your local library. Today on Nutmeg Book Drops, we will hear about Seeds Move, Superlative Birds, and Investigators. John Patrick Green, the author and illustrator of Investigators, will be joining us for an interview as well. Enjoy the episode! Hi, this is Tricia Carlin, Children's Librarian at the Westbrook Public Library, and I'm here to tell you about the Nutmeg Award-winning book, Seeds Move. Author Robin Page's most recent book also contains her very own colorful illustrations that somehow convey a textured appearance. Seeds Move was published by Beach Lane Books. Have you ever wondered how a tree or flower grew where it did? Plant seeds disperse in a variety of ways, and Seeds Move provides an appealing introduction to this topic. Caldecott Honoree Robin Page's book pairs fun, descriptive words with simple, vibrant pictures. The magical combination of Miss Page's words and pictures invite children to imagine and move along with seeds as they find their perfect place to put down roots and grow. Seeds Move also encourages children to consider how different areas of nature interact and impact each other. The book's opening line tells us the possibilities that are encased in different seeds. A tiny seed can one day become a flower, a fruit, or even a giant tree, and continues on to articulate seed movement using some repetition along with creative verbs. For instance, a seed hitchhikes, a seed catapults, and later a seed squirts. The expressive language enhances visualizations of how seeds travel. Adults and children will enjoy both the words and the pictures of this informative book. Other books you may wish to read that are similar are Flip, Float, Fly, Seeds on the Move by Joanne Early Mackin and A Seed is Sleepy by Diana Hutz Aston. So sit down and read Seeds Move by Robin Page. It's the perfect book for the season. Next, let's hear about Leslie Bullion's Superlative Birds. I'm Ann Poirier, school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. I'd like to tell you about the 2022 Elementary Nutmeg nominee, Superlative Birds, by Leslie Bullion, illustrated by Robert McGank, and published by Peachtree Publishers. Here's a book for the biggest fans of birds and the most enthusiastic poets. It's all about superlatives. A superlative represents the one that is more than all the rest, such as the smallest, the longest bill, the loudest, even the smelliest. Read Leslie Bullion's poetry to find out about these superlative birds. 
Alongside each poem, you will find additional information in the form of science notes. This book also includes a glossary to explain all of the scientific terms and poetry notes to tell you more about the structure of each poem. Wow, what a complete package. Did I mention the illustrations are awesome too? I loved following the chickadee through this book to learn even more about what makes birds so special. One of my favorite poems in this book happens to be about one of my favorite birds, the hummingbird. I learned in the science note that the bee hummingbird is the size of a baby carrot and weighs less than a penny. I'm sure you can guess its superlative, smallest bird. Here's the poem. It's called Less Than a Penny. Wing beats blur, whir, too swift to see. A glimmer, shiny, tiny, barely bigger than a bee. Sips nectar, buzzing, flower to flower, using figure eight hovercraft hummer power. I love that poem. It's called Less Than a Penny about the bee hummingbird, the smallest bird in the world. You can only find this bird in the Caribbean island nation of Cuba. Wow. If you enjoy the science poetry of superlative birds, I highly recommend you check out Leslie Bullion's other books, Hey There Stinkbug, which is all about insects, At the Seafloor Cafe, about ocean creatures, Leaf Litter Critters, about decomposers, Amphibian Acrobats, all about amphibians, not just frogs and toads, and her latest, Spy Coup, which is all about spiders, of course. I love the combination of science and poetry and think you will find it fascinating too. Enjoy. And now for our third and final book for today's podcast, let's find out about Investigators. All right, today we are here with John Patrick Green, who is the author and illustrator of the 2022 Elementary Nutmeg nominee, Investigators, a graphic novel full of laughs and adventure about two alligator detectives. Mr. Green, yes. when did you first know you wanted to draw comics for a living? And how did you get started? Did you always love to draw and doodle? Uh, yeah, I always... I. Ever since I was a little kid, I was drawing. Um, before I started doing anything else, I think I was drawing. Um, and when I was a little kid in like elementary school, uh, I had really bad asthma and allergies and stuff. And so I would be sick home from school a lot. And, you know, this was before the internet, and before remote learning, <laughs> you know, things like that. So it wasn't, it was uncommon to be at home from from school all the time. Um, and there wasn't a lot to do because we didn't really have, you know, there weren't Nintendo Switches and stuff. Uh, so one of my, my earliest forms of entertainment were like newspaper comic strips, uh, such as like Peanuts or uh, Garfield, which was my favorite 
And I kind of learned how to draw just by copying Garfield from the newspapers. And uh, when I was healthy enough to go to school, uh, you know, I would just start doodling Garfield. And then in like third or fourth grade, like other kids would come up to me and they say, hey, oh, hey, can you draw Garfield for me? I'd be like, okay, I'll draw Garfield. And then enough kids would ask for Garfield drawings and I'd say, well, give me a dollar and I'll draw Garfield. And um, that, that was basically the start of how I got into being a cartoonist and being like, hey, I can make money at, at this. Um, and I got in trouble for it uh, because apparently kids were giving me their lunch money uh, for these pictures of Garfield and the school didn't, didn't like that. So they called my mom and told her I wasn't allowed to draw Garfield in school anymore. And my mom was like, now is a good time for you to learn about copyright and how you don't own Garfield. <laughs> and so if you want to make money as a cartoonist, you should start creating your own characters. Um, and that basically, so like from like fourth grade on, I was pretty much destined <laughs> to just be being a cartoonist. My That's fate awesome. was sealed. So speaking of your characters, um, in Investigators, your characters are an eclectic mix. We've got some humans, we've got some animals, we've got some creatures made out of dough. Um, <laughs> so when you're developing your characters, how do you decide who's going to be human and who's going to be animal and all of that? Uh, that's a good question. A lot of times it just comes down to uh, what's going to be funny um, in terms of uh, like how I can draw them. Um, and if there's like a funny name that goes with it or something. Um, in some instances, uh, in the first book, there's this part where there's a, uh, a, a giant chicken, who's a scientist named Dr. Duldu. And he was not uh, in the story at all when I was originally writing it. And the way that I write stories is that I'm usually drawing and making it up as I, as I go. Like I might have a loose idea of where it's gonna go, um, but some specifics are not there. And, um, and I was just you know, drawing the scene and writing dialogue. And I had this part where this you know, one character calls another um, chicken or something. He says, he's, oh, oh, he calls them eggheads. <laughs> one character calls the scientist egghead. And then I just thought it would be funny. Well, what if one of the scientists was a chicken? Because that would be very offensive for a chicken to be called an egghead. Um, and that's how Dr. Doodle Doo came about. And so that's sort of like, even though I already had like these alligators as main characters, I think that was the first new character in the story who's an animal uh, that we see. So th then it just, it just became like, anytime there's a funny joke uh, for a new character, if it works, if it's funnier for them to be an animal or a human, um, I'll do that. But usually the way, the, the way each book has kind of worked out so far is that there's usually like two sort of intertwining mysteries or, or two sets of criminals. And usually I have it that there's like one human criminal and one animal criminal, not necessarily to condemn one or the other, but just to kind of I don't know, add to the absurdity of the world that these, these all these characters live and work together. They're so much fun. <laughs> so I love that the drawing activities in the back of the book are really fun. Uh, what are some of your favorite ways to connect with readers? Um, 
I don't know. I have a, I will actually, you know, I'd say my favorite, <laughs> which of course I, I, I'm missing right now is, is the in-person interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough that when the first investigators came out, it was, it was literally right before lockdown. It was last uh, February of, of 2020. Um, and I got to be on tour and I got to go to schools and, and talk to kids in person. And, and that was honestly the, the best. I, I, you know, I kind of live off the vibes of the kids and their excitement when they're watching me mm-hmm. talk and draw on stuff. Um, it's, it's still been great doing all the, everything has been virtual since. So I've still been visiting quote unquote, a lot of schools. Um, and it's kind of been easier to have more reach and I don't have to like you know be on you know a plane for a couple of hours in between each school or whatever um but I do I do I do miss that 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 in-person connection but other than that any sort of interaction is great I love it when um I'll, I'll see some random people on Instagram or something post like little fan art or every now and then there's a fan who makes like like someone did crocheted versions of of mango and brash the alligators and someone made some out of sculpey and so seeing that is just amazing (laughs) um so the investigators series is full of all different kinds of humor we've got wordplay puns acronyms bathroom humor meta humor um I really liked that there was a firefly reference (laughs) so there's (laughs) there for the adults as well um do you consider yourself to be a funny person? Like what kind of challenge come with writing a story this silly? Um, I think for me, it's hard for me to not be silly uh, when I'm creating and just thinking about stories. Like I could be watching, anytime I'm watching stories, I'm like a lot of times I'm also just thinking of jokes in my head. Um, like what would make this scene funny, even if the even if the, the movie or material doesn't necessarily call for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the, I think that the, the key when trying to write funny stories is, is try is not making it seem forced, you know, having it having it just kind of flow naturally as part of the story. Um, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't analyze it too much. I don't try to think of like, oh, well, I made a meta joke here, so I should try to do a slapstick joke here and do a pun here. I don't, I, I don't necessarily have a formula. I just kind of just see what, see what happens when I make it. There's a, a lot of laughs in store for readers when they read. I, I laughed out loud way more reading this book than any adult should reading this book. <laughs> Well, that is, that is that is nice to hear. Uh, is my goal to make everyone laugh, ideally? Um, you know, I'm sure there are going to be jokes that people won't get, but so long as uh, not getting a joke doesn't disrupt understanding the story, then mm-hmm. I think that's okay because jokes can always be explained or discovered later on. Um, you know, so like there are definitely some jokes. Like there's this, in the third book, there's a joke about bankruptcy that is sort of a meta joke because it's it's a joke about bankruptcy that is made on the starting page of chapter 11. 
And like kids aren't gonna get that, but like it's not necessary that you don't like adults are a lot of adults aren't even gonna notice it because it's just it's so hidden in the in yeah. the you know in the presentation. Um, but uh, yeah, entertainment really it's like being entertaining is key and having them understand the story is, is key. So I don't wanna do jokes that will ruin things. And there have been times when that's, that's happened where like I've loaded a scene with too many jokes that it's kind of lost the, you know, they're alligators, but the human element. Um, and so every now and then you need to ground it so that there is some actual, uh, uh, emotion to a scene and not everything is too flippant yeah it's very funny though <laughs> so you mentioned peanuts and garfield who are some of the other creators that have inspired you so many um i, I i've always been a big star wars fan which you can see from this lego uh r2d2 i have behind me um you know, comics, like comic books growing up, I was, I was huge into like X-Men and um, one of my favorite, probably a big influence on, on uh, uh, investigators was this, was Spider-Ham, which I think more people know about Spider-Ham now because of the Into the Spider-Verse movie where it's Spider-Man, but he's a pig instead of Peter, oh. Peter Parker, he's Peter Porker. Um, but that started as a comic book as well. And it was just a silly little parody of Spider-Man. Spider and I was not a huge Spider-Man comic book reader, but I really liked Spider-Ham because it made fun of all the Spider-Man jokes. Um, so that was, a, that was a big influence. Um, as far as like, like children's books when I was little, I love things like Where the Wild Things Are. Um, but one book, and I've mentioned this a bunch of times already, so people might be tired of me hearing, hearing me talk about it. Uh, one book that stuck with me as a kid was The Giant Jam Sandwich um, by John <laughs> Vernon Lord. John Lord Vernon, I, I think it's John Vernon Lord. Uh, and somebody else wrote, wrote, the, wrote the verse uh, based on his story. Um, but it's about, you know, this kind of, sleepy town in I think Wales or Scotland or uh, um, where they're plagued by wasps. So they build a giant brick oven like the size of a warehouse to bake a giant loaf of bread and, and smother it in jam to attract all the wasps and then close the sandwich and fly it out to sea. Um, and the thing that stuck with me about that story was that the art disturbed me. <laughs> but, like the art is like, I think it was done in the sixties and I don't know where this, I don't know how, why my, my parents had this book or wh who gave it to me or anything. I don't remember, but I just remember being disturbed by the art as a little kid because all the characters are sort of kind of weird and grotesque looking in a way. They're not necessarily pleasantly cartoon, you know, cartooning is not necessarily pleasant. And they're all wearing sort of like very, um, it's like yellow submarine-ish, uh, uh, in, in you know the, the the clothing and stuff very very late 60s style clothing and I remember as this tiny little kid thinking I could draw better than this and that of course is an absurd thing for a little kid to, to think and I was and at the time you know I'm sure I wasn't necessarily thinking I could I could I'm a better illustrator at 
trying to accomplish what this illustrator was trying to accomplish. It was just more of that sort of like, I could draw this story the way I would want it to look in my head better than this art that creeps me out. Um, but that had like this big influence on me because it really, it really started making me think about how would I tell this story if I had the opportunity to, to draw it or retell it. <laughs> so, so yeah, that one stuck with me. <laughs> so the investigators books are written for a younger elementary audience, but you've also written for older audiences, older children as well. Um, what do you especially like about writing for elementary kids? The readers at that age are, they're very much like sponges and they just devour things and they will be, they, they, they don't really hold back on their actual um, opinions on things or the responses of things. Um, there's, uh, uh, they don't have a lot of, um, uh, of a filter, I guess. So, so if, you, if you're making something for the kid and they, they, they respond to it, you know it's genuine. You know that when, when they're genuinely interested in it. Um, and that's something that's a lot harder to get out of kids that are closer to like junior high or high school, uh, where they start to get a little jaded. Um, and this isn't to say that they, they won't be excited about your stories, but a lot of times that there's that sort of like, don't be too excited because that's not cool. You gotta, you gotta feign, you know, disinterest in something. And, you know, I can appreciate that having, having you know, gone through that as a kid, as a kid as well. Um, but it does, as a creator, it makes it harder because, you know, I kind of thrive a little bit on that, on that enthusiasm I get from, from the kids enjoying, enjoying the work. Um, and, and I also like that, like, and it's guaranteed that when, when, when I'm making stories for younger kids, that uh, adults will read it, either their parents or guardians or teachers, that they, they will read it. And so when I put things in that are for both audiences, um, you know, I'm kind of getting, you know, more bang for my buck, so to speak. The investigators have some further adventures already published and in the works. Uh, what kind of adventurous situations might we find Mango and Brash in next? And we know we have to be on the lookout for the Cracker Dial. <laughs> we haven't heard the last from him. That is, that is true. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, you know, the third book is out. Uh, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for any anyone that, that that's read it. Um, but the the fourth book, the investigators, uh, it's called it's called Ants in the Pants, and the with pants is an acronym, and the the cover is out. And so you know, if you've seen the cover, you'll know that they they have to deal with um, uh, giant ants that are rampaging in the city, and so how that happens. Um, is, is all in the story. And also on the cover, you'll see that, that there's robo brash instead of regular brash. In the third book, you know, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but the, you know, the cover is out. In the third book, um, brash ends up in the hospital. And so he's kind of on sick leave while there is a robotic replica that Mango is partnered up with. 
and so uh, so the the fourth book is where all those uh, storylines kind of kind of come together. Um, and the fifth book, which I, I've just finished uh, all the all the art for and stuff, that's where basically all the threads so far uh, with like Cracker Dial and, and you know the alligators and, and everything else kind of come together uh, for you know there's a lot of revelations in the fifth book. There are a lot of flashbacks to earlier events. So like all the things start making making sense in a way that people weren't necessarily expecting. Uh, so yeah, I hope I hope everyone sticks to, sticks around for it because things just get kind of bigger and and there's a lot more emotion too. The books as they go along they become more emotional because the characters are coming for me anyway they're becoming more more real. So the more their personalities are coming out. So is the fifth book the series conclusion or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay. It is, uh, I mean, it, it would work as a conclusion, um, but um, I'm having a lot of fun doing the books. So uh, it, it seems pretty much guaranteed that there will be quite a few more. Great. Well, we certainly look forward to reading lots more about Mango and Brash and the investigators and uh, any of your other characters, if you want to bring Hippopotamister back, <laughs> we love him too. There is, there is um, actually, when I get around to it is the question, but there is a sequel to Hippopotamister in, in the works um, that sort of, sort of got derailed or put on the back burner because of the investigators. Um, but it, there, and it's also, it's called, there's already a title and every and a plot and everything. Uh, it's called Hippopotam Mystery. Ooh. And you know, like you know, it's, it's similar to investigators in a way, and that there, there's like yes. a mystery that Hippo and Red Panda have to solve. Um, but when I get to that, which I, I desperately want to actually <laughs> get to that story, when is the question? Uh, yeah. That is very exciting. <laughs> we will be looking forward to it as will our readers. Um, definitely looking forward to anything that comes out. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that is nice to hear. There are, they are re-releasing -re anyone who may have missed the original editions. They are re-releasing Hippopotamister and the two kitten construction company books in, um, in the, um, a, a format standardized along with investigators and they're the lower price, price point those come out in may um so hopefully those will uh you know catch some some new fans and people will get to see them well thank That's you so much for your time today and for agreeing to join us and the children of connecticut can look forward to reading your books and just enjoying them for years to come That's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast by going onto our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect. Next week, we will have our final installment of Elementary Nutmeg Book Drops. We will discuss two fascinating nonfiction books, Dinosaur Lady, The Daring Discoveries of Mary Anning, The First Paleontologist, by Linda Skears, and Moth, an evolution story by Isabel Thomas. 
we will also be joined by Ellen Potter, author of the Nutmeg nominee Bigfoot and Littlefoot, for some Sasquatch small talk. I hope you will join us too.